Hello and welcome to Ball in the Real World, the home of everything Australian basketball. We're talking NBL today. My name is Olga Nulich and as always, I'm joined by Steve Smith. Steve, how you how you doing? It's been busy. There's been a lot going on. It's been real busy, hasn't it? Like we uh, we caught up at the end of the NBL Cup and there's been a whole lot that's uh, that's happened since then. I was I was tired and fatigued after the NBL Cup, and I'm more tired and fatigued. There's just it's just nonstop basketball, and it's it's not a terrible thing. But there's just a, I think every team is 20 plus games in. Where we yep. just finished round 13, and that was last night. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and we're going straight into round 14. You got Taipan Sixes tonight, so this thing just keeps ticking along. And do you think let's. I'll open with it. We're going to do awards predictions today. It's a mid-season awards. Yep. Who we think are yep. going to win the end-of-season awards. But before we touch on that, do you think the quality of the basketball we're seeing has been slightly diminished? And if so, why? If not, why not? But what do you think about that? That's a conversation that's that's going around. Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think we all agreed that the the lack of travel during the Cup meant that there was some really high quality basketball and that you know there wasn't that that travel fatigue uh that that teams otherwise might have had and I think since then we've seen teams having to adjust to that and it's been to their detriment in some respects yeah I think toward at the start of the cup I think we saw we saw some really good basketball as the cup Mm. started to to go on and as we got to the end of it I think we saw the the level start to diminish a little bit. I think dudes got tired. It was just very monotonous. Yeah. Um, I still yeah. get PTSD when I watch John Canarino on TV. It's <laughs> it's it's a weird thing to 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 look at. Um, but uh, I don't I, I, don't, I don't, don't know why Olgan. I, I don't know why Kane and I. You know, we went to the cup and we were fresh. We're, I, I, I don't you understand guys. I why you guys you were, so much. Why you're so tired. I hate you all. Um, but it's weird. We're seeing, and I don't know if, I don't remember this last season, but we're seeing a lot of single-digit quarters. Um, I yeah. noticed that recently. You know, last night's game, it went, it went to overtime, but the score was 79-85, but it was it was around like a 70-70 sort of game. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, I want I another agree. long I, season again. Even even Perth last night, just the last couple of games, they've, they've looked a bit tired, but, and that's yeah. that, Again, I think we, we at the start of the season, like as amazing as as Cotton and Mooney have been, we did wonder about their depth, and I'm wondering how much of that load is now coming to bear for them. I you know, think, I thought I think that that's just be, a good example. For sure, I thought that would be the case going into the cup. I thought all of those games in quick succession was going to yeah, be same. too much on Cotton and Mooney, but it it wasn't. But now it might be, especially if there's going to be a lot of travelling. We saw so we saw in round thirteen. The Wildcats lost to the 36ers, a very undermanned 36ers too. 36ers mm. guys. I can't freeze without Tony Crocker, with Brandon Paul still sort of getting into the mix. Um, Josh Giddy was just two games back from his ankle injury. So yeah. there, there are those warning signs, but that is a good segue because that is Bryce Cotton. Bryce Cotton hit the the shot to tie it in regulation last night to send it to overtime. Um, just a wild shot. But here's a question I have for you. He is the sort of consensus MVP up until this point. Um, and I want to know how we should frame the MVP conversation from this point on. It, do you think right now that it is Bryce's whatever happens from here on out? Let's say Bryce has, you know, every second game is like that Adelaide game. 
Is it that sort of thing? Or is are we framing this as there there is still time to catch up to him? Yeah, I, I think there's time, but like I, I, it depends on who, who it is, I guess. I, like it's, for me, it's Landale would be the, the obvious. You know, he's the runner-up as we speak right now. And he was probably the leader in the first few rounds. His play was just phenomenally good. Um, but we, we, have, we frame this every year and somehow it always ends up different about what, how we define the MPP. And I guess Perth are in such a good position now. And you look at Cotton's influence on that, like look where they'd be if they did not have him. And I think yeah. that comes into how we frame the MVP debate. And I think for me, it's his to lose. I, I can't see, like I said before that, you know, Landale might be able to catch him, but it would take a big drop off of Cotton's form, I think, um, for that to really, really happen. And I just, you look at last night and there can be a debate about whether he got that shot off in time or not, but to hit that in those circumstances, every time he does it, we all go, oh my God, Bryce Cotton again. Like, yeah. it, we, we still seem somehow surprised even when he, he does what we expect him to do. In the NBA, the awards are largely like narrative-based and I yeah. think that's a similar thing here as well um, where Bryce gets that shot off and a lot of people just forget that Jock Landau had the game of his life the game before that. Um, yeah. But I agree with you that it, it is sort of like, it is Bryce and then the rest up until this point. And I think maybe the only way that changes is if, like you said, Perth has sort of an, an outstanding drop-off. And I think it's just if United can continue playing the way they are. Because Jock Landau is yeah. playing really good basketball. And I think a lot of us don't talk about the defensive end of the floor where I think he makes such a big impact, um, where Bryce doesn't. And so I wonder if that's something that it, that's something that I think that if Melbourne continues in this sort of rhythm and, and in this sort of form and the Wildcats look as volatile as they currently do, I do wonder if that conversation can shift. But would you put any stock into Nathan Sobey being part of this conversation if the Bullets don't make the finals? If they don't make the finals, I can't see how he's in the conversation. Uh, I think they'd have to make the playoffs for him to have any chance. I, I think he's the podium finisher. I think he, he he's probably the bronze medalist right now. And if they make the playoffs, then yeah, sure. But I think, I think as you said, it would take a drop-off from both Perth and United uh, and both Landale and Cotton personally for them, for, for Sobey to have any chance. I think he'll be the, I think he'll, I think he'll finish third in, in the voting. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad shout. I want to ask them. So let's shift this to most improved because I was going through my most improved player sort of crop and i then i thought is Sobi a shout because i'm looking yeah just just from a points per game standpoint he's gone from around 16 and a half to around 23 right he's he's gone up to, to second in the league and it's not just that it's you can tell on the court he's now the leader of this team he's taken a very not just a a, a statistical bump but he's also taken like a, a I don't call it like a spiritual bump um, or at least a figurative one on that team. He is now the leader of, of you know, a, a yeah. solid team, I guess. Um, is it, is it one of those things where like you, you, you can't give him most improved because of the, the kind of player he is? Is, is that, is this a thing that's reserved for, you know, the Frollings or the McVeighs or, or, or that, those, that caliber of guy? Yeah, look, I, I get the argument both ways, but I'll, I'll be honest, I've got him down as my most improved because you I do? think that's a quantum... Yeah, it's a quantum leap. Okay. Like, uh, you, so... you look at what he's done 
and and the way he's gone about it, and I don't see any reason why you can't give it to him. What's the what's the criteria for not giving it to him? The the criteria like, is it's and it's the same thing with the NBA generally. It's I, I feel like going from star to superstar is I I don't know, and it's the it's, it's the way that for example Pascal Siakam went from role player to star. That that just sure. at least optically looks like a bigger leap. Um, yeah. And I get, I totally get your argument and statistically, and I think even optically, it, it makes so much sense, but it's, I think it's just because the award is generally just reserved for, I know. you know, younger, it's, it's younger guys who have taken a nice up. leap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. And I understand the McVeigh or the trolling argument. And look, you, you, you may well be right. And it goes to one of those two. Um, I've got McVeigh in another category as well. So um but i think like i just i love the way he's gone about Sobi has gone about his his season and the way he's playing and as you said it's not just about the points that leadership aspect has been dynamic for them yeah can i tell you my most improved most improved player up until this point please kyle kyle adnan so yeah, okay nice we i think we forget about him a little bit too because he's become become such a staple of that team and i think in the league too but you know, he's gone from nine points a game to 14 points a game. He's, yep. he's I, I think people would have even questioned him as, you know, how effective can he be consistently as a backup guard to the point where people are now talking, I think, wrongly, that he should be the starting point guard of, a, of another franchise. Um, but the fact that that conversation is even allowed to happen, I think speaks to his growth. So I, I've got, you know, I've got Sobe and I've got McVeigh and I've got Froling in that conversation for sure. And I think Froling does it on both ends. And I think that can't be understated too. But Adnam has just shifted completely who he, who and what he is as a player. Um, he's uh, he's, he's picked improved. a good season to, he's picked a good season to do this too, he, with uh, him coming out of contract. And, exactly. Uh, and a new NBL franchise just, uh, just there over the, over, the, uh, over the water there. Yeah, he hired a new European agent. And so I wonder if that's something that, I don't know if he would do it in the sort of COVID disrupted year and especially if the Phoenix make the, the finals and potentially go all the way. Um, but I think that's something that he's going to be looking to kind of dig his heels into. A guy that I think a few years ago, no one would even con- even think of him as a Euro level guy, a guy who can go over there and be an import on a European team. But now it's a, it's a legit, legitimate kind of conversation that he's a part of. So that's why I think him for most improved. I don't know if enough people have been talking about it, when you just dig into the stats and just dig into his growth, I, I think it's it's not clear, but it's he's definitely toward the top. Yeah, I, I think the NBL Cup really helped him in that regard too. Like he 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 really uh, shined more, way more brightly than I think anyone ever expected him to. Yeah, he's, he really stepped up with Kiefer Sykes out. Another dude who I have sort of not not in the conversation, but an honourable mention is Jordy Hunter. Um, yeah, I think I think he's going to be really good. Um, he's shown flash, not just flashes. He's shown like consistent production um, and effectiveness. So I think he's a guy. He might not win it this year. I think he could win it next year. Um, but then I think, I think his growth is going to be pretty immense over the next few years. Um, you mentioned you had McVeigh in another category. I'm gonna guess it. Who is who is your sixth man of the year up until this point? Yeah, I've got a bit of a, a bit like you with the most improved. I've got three guys that that really stand out. Um, and that's Jack McVeigh, Udo Barber, and Ben Moore from Southeast Melbourne. 
Okay. So I think all all three of those guys have been really, really good as spark plugs off off the bench. You know, I agree with you. I I fear for Ben Moore that maybe he might start too many games. Um, um, and it's going forward. I think that's going to be the the issue for him. Yeah. Um, but you know, him. It's it's actually been a, a masterstroke from from Simon Mitchell to have him coming off the bench. It, he he's taken a little little while to settle in, but his uh, last couple of months have been really really good. Honestly, he's been almost a, a revelation. Every we we, I don't know. People who had covered him previously knew that he can come in and make a big impact. Um, but it does for, for bigs. It's not always a home run as far as being able to adjust to the league, right? It took Colton yeah. Iverson a bit of time, but he's obviously come around in a huge way. Ben Moore's yeah, come around, absolutely. but it doesn't always happen. So, like, credit to him for bringing the game that he had over in the G League, which is sort of like a like a short roller creator and also energy guy can finish around the rim. Like he's, he's done that really, really well of late. And he, he's run the floor really well as well. Like he it, early games, he probably wasn't doing that. And he's actually, uh, I don't know whether it was just a conditioning thing or whether he just hadn't quite meshed in his role. And, but he has, he has really started to, to push down the floor, beating you know, he, his man down and he's getting some easy shots from that result. Yeah. We spoke earlier in the season about, Isaac Humphries and Daniel Johnson playing really well together when we didn't think they would, mm. um, just because their games, I think, do complement each other, the whole inside-out thing. I think that's a similar thing with Ben Moore and Yanni Wetzel, because Yanni Wetzel is largely reserved in, like, very down low, under the rim. Um, and Ben Moore can play, you know, in the high post, and I, I honestly think that's a, it's a good little connection that those guys have. Um, and I think, from an optic standpoint, the Phoenix have been forced to have Mitch Creek come off the bench, which is absurd that you have an MVP caliber guy coming off the bench, but it sort of allowed Ben Moore to be on the floor and play alongside Yanni Wetzel in what I think is like a really effective front court, at least offensively. Um, my sixth man, I have Jack McVeigh, partly because of you know he's he fits the mold so perfectly. Yeah, right? he's he's yeah he's like a big Lou Williams. He's your he's your gunner off the bench, um, and he's. Especially but he's efficient the, about it as well. Yeah, like he's absolutely you know, nine and a half points and three and a half rebounds, and he's just done a smidge under fifty percent from the field. Like he's he's doing it in a really efficient way. Definitely, he's one of those guys who, if he gets a clean look at a shot, you're betting on it going in more times than not. Um, one of the things it was really weird. I was watching one of his games, and I heard on the broadcast. I think it was Liam Santa Maria mentioned his wingspan. I had someone text me saying he's got a seven-two wingspan, which is unreal. <laughs> Um, and he's the sort of guy who, again, he comes off the bench. I think lately his numbers have, have perked up. And so by the end of the season, I imagine they're only going to grow. Um, but it's just yep. the, the actual, the, the impact that he brings off the bench. He, when the Adelaide team is sort of struggling in the half court and, and needs some energy, he comes on and he's pure energy. Um, mm. And he's a guy who is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And he's going to get a ton of interest from a lot of teams and he's going to get paid this offseason um yeah the i had jason kadee and matt hodgson sort of in the conversation too um my my worry is that jason kadee has played eight he started eight games which i think is just a lot of yeah. games so I, I, it, it's yeah. pretty much why i left him off yeah like years past and he's been so good in that role but i think he i think he's played too many games where he started for mine it's just yeah yeah and i, I honestly i forgot about Udo Baba. um because I, I don't know, maybe I, I don't know if he's consistent enough. Um, but I think that's he's a good shout too. He's, the last month. But in the same way that I bring up McVeigh as that style of guy who can come on and 
lifter team. Yeah. I think Yudai Barba is sort of in that same mold. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So moving on to Defensive Player of the Year. I think the league calls it Best Defensive Player Award. Um, yep. Up until this point, I have Sunday Detch. Um, he's the guy who consistently guards the best perimeter guy on the other team. We saw the, the, the job he did on Bryce Cotton the other night, holding him to 10 points, I think 0 of 7 from 3. Um, he does that consistently. That's, that's what he was brought to Adelaide to do. Um, I, I think he's probably the front runner for it. I, I, I do have a lot of love for Mitch Norton. I think in, in sort of my ranking, he's closely behind him. Um, and then I have Jock Landale as well. Again, a guy who is not going to block every shot like Isaac Humphreys was. And I think if Isaac Humphreys stayed healthy, he would probably be toward the top of this list too. Yeah. Um, but Jock Landale, I think his impact defensively with or without Jack White has been pretty immense. So I think he deserves a shout too. But for me at, at this point, it's Sunday Detch. Um, and I, I think he's the guy who's going to win at the end. Who, who you got? Yeah, look, I think, um, and I think, we, you know, we've talked about it before about how this can tend to be a, a bit of a guards award uh, at times. Um, but I'm a bit, I'm leaning towards Jock Landale. I think, as you said, yeah. it, with or without Jack White, his, his presence in the middle, and it, it doesn't always stop on, show up on the stat sheet, but his influence in ability to be able to control, you know, tempo and, and things like that at that end of the court. I, Absolutely. It, it's really close, isn't it? I think it's between him and Detch. And as you said, Norton's been really good as well, but I think it's between those two for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think one thing to note on Jock Landau is the Melbourne United has the best defense in the NBL. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not particularly close either. And Mitch McCarron has a lot to do with that. When Jack White was around, he had a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. But I think Jock Landau being this guy who can shore up the paint, it's just, it's, he's had such a big impact on that end of the floor. Um, and again, it's not something that we talk about because Jock Landau is, you know, a superstar and he does so much on the other end of the floor. And that's, that's what we're looking at. And we, cause we, and we also see Jock Landau as like a rental. So it's, it's weird to give yeah. him this sort of award. Um, but I definitely think he's in the conversation. I want to also give a shout out to someone who doesn't get enough love. Um, Tony Crocker. Now I've watched a lot of Adelaide games and Tony Crocker has been such a good on ball defender um, and no one gives him love for it. And, and I think he deserves a little bit. Um, some other dudes in the conversation, Justin Simon would be a part of it. Yeah. Um, a sneaky one who, again, people don't mention AJ Ogilvie. Now the Hawks have the second best defense in the NBL. And I think as much as people want to praise Justin Simon for what he does, you know, particularly on the perimeter, I think AJ Ogilvy, the way he does what he does inside the paint, yeah. his timing on blocks has been impressive. Um, he's getting yep. his hands in the lane. He's getting deflections. Again, he's very unsung on this team. Um, but I think, I, I, I don't know. I think he deserves a lot more credit. Again, I still have Sunday Detch, but I think there are a ton of honorable mentions for this, this award. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's go on to, we're going to say rookie of the year for last. Um, coach of the year. <laughs> is it, is it co- coach, coach of the year is generally the sort of award that's, uh, it's like expectation over it's like output over expectation it's that yeah. sort of vibe with it um, which is why up until this point I have it at Trevor Gleason because as much as right now we say of course the Wildcats like obviously they're doing what they're doing most of yeah. us didn't think that going into the season um, so for them to be sort of the, the 1A or 1B team at this point in the season and it looks like they, they'll probably be that when the finals come around 
I think it's as again, we, we speak about Bryce Cotton, we speak about John Mooney and Mitch Norton is yeah. part of that best defensive player conversation. So that those individual bits of talent are there, but I think it, they only work the way they work. Um, maybe aside from Bryce, they, they work the way they work because of the, the systems that Trevor Gleason has. Do you, are you on the same page as me? Yeah, I, I think it's real close between him and Simon Mitchell right now. I, I think mm. Southeast Melbourne have, have probably exceeded expectations given where they are right now. Yeah. But before I talk about those two, I really want to talk about the job that Dan Shamir has done. Because yeah. I think New Zealand, like he won't win coach of the year, but to have won as many games as they've won while never once sleeping in their own beds has yeah. been just remarkable. I, I just... There's so many teams that would have they would have folded, and to have dealt with the adversity that they have is, is a really big credit to the group, but also to Dan Shamir for keeping them together. So I think yeah. that probably just doesn't get mentioned enough, just how hard that's been for the Breakers. Um, yeah, I, but I definitely, agree. yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's between Gleeson and Mitchell. I, I agree with what you're saying about Trevor Gleeson. I think in years past it's been very easy to say, well, it's the Perth Wildcats. They've got money to burn and. They've got the best players, so just roll the ball out and they win. But I don't think that's been the case this year, clearly. And I think for them to be sitting where they're sitting and, you know, they, they have looked tired at times in the last couple of weeks, but they're still going to be thereabouts and you, you won't write them off like we might have at the start of the year. And a lot of that has to do with him. He's kept them together. So I think it's down to those two, yeah. Is it, is, is, again, is it a cop-out to include Dean Vickerman in, in this conversation? Because as of he's always in the conversation, isn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. It's 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 sort of it's difficult unless United went undefeated. It's sort of, sort of like you can't give yeah. it to him because they have so much talent. That's what the conversation would be like. Um, has dealt with some injuries. He has, and and the fact that again they're still up top, they've they've dealt with among the most injuries throughout the season. Um, yeah, and and they and, looked real shaky. Like after that loss to Sydney, they looked real shaky. And yeah. then they've reeled off, you know, six, seven wins in a row and just moted on seamlessly, it seems. But I think, you know, he has, he has a lot to do with them, with their resilience. Yeah. Um, I think Gorge deserves a little bit of a mention. I think just because what he's been able to do with that team defensively, like the second best defense yeah. in the NBL. I think offensively, I've got a lot of questions about what, what's going on in Illawarra. Um, it's, probably yeah. for, it's probably for another pod. Um, but you got... Mm. So I've, I've got Gleason. You've got Simon Mitchell. He, is he, yeah. at this point, your guy? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's real close, but yeah. Uh, I've been super impressed because I think there, were, there was maybe not criticisms of Mitchell, but I think people wondered, they looked at that roster at the start of the year and wondered what a uh, name coach might have done with them. Yeah. And I think he's exceeded those expectations you know, by a fair way. Um, so I, I, full credit to him. And, and as he pointed out, you know, maybe the expectations from the outside of the group were less, you know, than what they were inside. But he's yeah. kept them focused. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit. I fear that he's going to fall under the same kind of situation that Vickerman is, which is they have a lot of talent on that team. And so is it's going to be, is it, is it Mitchell that's doing such a good job or is it because they have you know, Mitch Creek back and Ryan Brockoff and Kiefer Sykes and Kyle Adnam playing the way he's playing. But then does Kyle Adnam play the way he's playing if he's not emboldened by a Simon Mitchell? Does Isaiah Liafa play yeah. the way he's playing if he's not emboldened by that, by a Simon Mitchell? So and they, they still haven't really had a, a completely full lineup yet either. 
Like I don't think Brokops they have. missed games. No. Freaks missed games. Sykes has missed games. So, yeah, I, 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 for me, it, it, I don't think whether... Yeah, I, I, he's just done, I think, a tremendous job, all things considered. Yeah. Um, the final award. I think it's the final award. Yeah, it is. Um, the Rookie of the Year Award. Now, this has been thrown into a bit of a spin um, because first we're dealing with a lot of different narratives, um, but now we're also dealing with the fact that first Jack White goes down with a ruptured Achilles and then less than a week later, Dayan Vasilievich goes down with a ruptured Achilles. Um, just really unfortunate. And the expectation is that they'll obviously miss the remainder of this season and probably the entirety of next season. Yeah. Right. So it just... 12-month injury. Totally. So it just really sucks from that perspective. From the awards perspective, um, it's very difficult to give someone an award who has only played, who's played half of the games effectively. Yeah. Um, so at yeah. this point, Rookie of the Year, who who is your guy right now? It's still Josh Giddy, but Vasilievich had made that such a race. And yeah. I, I think Jack White probably would have been, been the third guy on the podium. Um regardless, but just simply because he's just not going to have the statistical output that those other two have, have had. But totally. I think, you know, basketball watchers know the influence that he was having on games. Yeah. Um, but so I think, you know, barring, and God, you know, touch wood that nothing happens to Josh, but, you know, barring injury, I think it's Josh Giddies to lose from here. Um, after we, after you've given your picks, I, I'm curious what you make of allowing, you know, like the talk around John Mooney and whether he should be eligible um, because, you know, LaMelo Ball was eligible last year because he was the next stars, you know, um, signing, whereas John Mooney yeah. isn't. Now, do we, should the rules be changed because, you know, it's his first pro gig. He's, I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be in the running. I think, I think that rule yeah. needs to be changed. Yeah. So I'll start with my pick. I agree with you. It's, it's Josh Giddy. Um, and I also think even before the, those injuries happened. I still think Josh would have been at the top yeah, of the list, if only just, but yeah. I think he would have been there. Um, not yeah. just because of what he's doing at 18, but he's second in the league in assists. Um, he's the best rebounding guard in the NBL. He's at 11 points a game. And he's, so he's, he's literally doing everything. Um, and so I think people got caught up in the, for example, the, having DJ Vasilievich as part of the conversation. Like, is he the, the highest scoring rookie? Absolutely. But is he the, the best performing rookie? I think that was a different question, right? Yeah. Would you rather someone who yeah. averages, you know, 15 points a game or someone who averages 11, seven and seven? No one else in the league is averaging 11, seven and seven. Um, so I think that was, it was, he DJ definitely made it a race, which was awesome to see. Um, mm. So, so assuming that, you know, everyone is healthy as the season comes to an end, um, I think it's Giddy's clearly. Um, I think the only person who could challenge him is Yanni Wetzel. Now, I've seen conversations on whether Yanni Wetzel is actually a rookie because he signed his first pro contract in Southeast Melbourne, opted out because he had a Euro out clause to go sign in Germany and then came back. So technically, this is his third pro contract um, after reaching the age of 18. So that's the thing. But the NBL tells me that they expect him to be eligible so i think he's the only guy who could maybe knock on the door he's he's going out and putting up you know consistent numbers right now mm. um and, yeah. and he even though he is he was up and down earlier in the season but i think 
he's putting up your consistent like 10 you know seven and three and that's like that's really decent um yeah they've got a lot of talent on that team so i don't know if he can continue that sort of output um but i think he can knock on the door uh as for your the john mooney stuff i it's weird because so justinian jessup also part of this conversation absolutely Mm. um if he can score the ball at the level that we know he knows how to then i think he's also knocking on that that giddy door um the, the wild thing is that John Mooney and Justinian Jessup are effectively the same sort of person, sort of player. Yeah. They are both four-year college dudes, and this is their first professional season. Yep. Um, the only difference is that uh, John Mooney is on a, res- or a restricted contract and everyone else is on an unrestricted contract. I think that's the way that works. And the Rookie of the Year yep. award is, is only is reserved for people on unrestricted contracts. I think going forward, I... I'm torn. I like the idea of this award being reserved for the best young local talent. I, I like the idea of then it. then sure then then make it that right. So then you know if you're if you're a US import at all, then you're not not eligible. Like if that's yeah. if that's the way you want to go with that. Do you think just make it? Do you think just spell it out then? Do you think make it uh, best local rookie? Yeah, best young Australian. Yeah. Call it that yeah. if you want to. Uh, I, I just, I, I, for me personally, if I was doing it, you make it an outright rookie of the year. And if it's your first pro pro deal, whether you're a U, US, Australian, whatever, you're eligible. Yeah. I, the thing is, I don't know the argument against it other than it's just nice for an Australian or a New Zealander to win it, right? There's, there's no actual sure. argument. It's, it's purely sentimental. Yeah, that's and but and I mean, look, so much of it, as we said, so much of these awards are narrative driven anyway, and you know, so much of what Josh Giddy, well, not I mean, Josh Giddy's driving that narrative himself, but mm. there's a lot of you know hype around him, so he's he's going to have a lot of the spotlight on him that Yanni Wetzel might not have, for example. So that drives the award for for Giddy anyway, but I think he's I think he still wins, you know, by dint of his accomplishments, but. Yeah. Regardless, yeah, I, I just throw it all open. I say, just let, let, let everyone be eligible and then see where the cards fall. See what we get. I mean, look, if if that was the case, John Mooney would obviously win it because he's a All NBL first team guy. Yep, and I and I'd be and I'd be okay obvious. with that. Yeah, yeah. Off the top of your head, I know we, we we're not necessarily doing, it, but you're All NBL teams first and second. Uh oh, well done. So, um, I think I can I can do a first team off the top of my head. Cotton, yep. Sobe, uh, yep. Mooney, Landale. Am I missing the fifth an one? The fifth one's an interesting one because if you're doing it right now, I think it's Vic Law. Ah, has he played enough games? No, so well, see, that's the, that's the thing. Like, if if you're saying mid-season, you know, like if you if you were giving out the award right now, it's him for sure. But if you're not who slides into that spot there? Who's is it? Someone like Tyler Harvey? Is it DJ? Is it is, Isaac is Humphreys? This a, is this an outside player? Is that what? Is it two inside and three outside players? Yeah, yeah. If, if that's if that's the way this is given out, um, then if we're looking at just pure impact, and it will make a lot of people unhappy, but it might be Mitch Creek, and yeah, and that's part of the conversation here is that. Mitch Creek is in the middle of a legal battle where he's been charged with a violent offence 
and mm. it's we're seeing the NBL juggle with that. This did, did, yeah. did you see he won he won Bunnings Trade Player of the Game, but didn't get an interview, right? And so the NBL is juggling it's, with this it's situation, really noticeable, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're juggling yeah. with this, and so I don't I don't know how you go forward with that sort of thing because again it, the merits of the case aside you know glorifying someone who now has a, a public target on his back because of now public charges that have been made it's it's going to be a, a little tightrope that the NBA is going to walk on right now the, the league and the team like a, you know you even look at southeast mm. melbourne socials and he doesn't exist yeah like he just he gets <laughs> he gets a mention in their stats and that's it yeah, and look, I don't want to harp on the situation too much because it is it is very sensitive, no. and there's there's a, a legal battle to, to go on. Um, the the idea of them trying to make Mitch Creek disappear, or just not exist, or, or not be prominent but still play, it's just it just confuses me, right? Like he no, he comes I don't. Off, he I comes don't off understand the bench. it either. Yep. He comes off the bench in South East Melbourne it. Phoenix. It, it it makes that makes zero sense at all. He's obviously there. He's he's part of the MVP conversation if we're judging it mm. on pure basketball, right? But this man comes off the bench yeah. now because we don't want the optics of starting this guy who's been charged with violent offences. It, it's just I don't I, I don't I, know. I, I, look, this, this will be the only other thing I say on that is that yeah. I don't understand why he was he was reinstated. I just there, there may be reasons that we're, we're not aware of, but. I don't understand. Just okay, keep him on full pay, stand him down until he's he's court hearing, and then 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 you deal with it from there. This is I think this this tightrope walking is is ridiculous. It's because it's so transparent. It's so obvious that yeah, like the fact that they didn't. I was I was speaking with someone. They didn't interview the guy, and I was like, okay, like why? Then if, if is that the line? <laughs> like yeah, like we're not allowed to do that. I don't know. Um, I was going to suggest we have that sort of... Who is who is your All-NBL first team, of course? Yeah, so it's pretty much similar. Um, it's Landau, Cotton, Sobey, Mooney. I think that's the consensus for. Um, and I think, you know, as I said, if you were giving it out right now, Vic Law would perhaps get it. Um, I'm going to go with one that may... Uh, probably by the end of the year, I think he'll be he'll have played enough games, etc. But I think it's Chris Golding. You think so? so? Yeah. You think, I think his he's production over the yeah? Ah, see, I, I was thinking, does a Scotty Machado or a Casper Ware get in there? Casper Ware is averaging 19 points a game. Where, where, where I think, yeah, yeah, I think Ware's a good shout. Uh, Scotty Machado, who I picked as my MVP at the start of the year, um, yeah. I just don't think Cairns have got the, the runs on the board for that to happen, um, barring a, a second, you know, second half season turnaround. But I think Casper Ware's a good shout, yeah. Yeah, like there, there are some really solid guys from when we talk about outside players, quote unquote. Um, you know, you're looking at Tyler Harvey as well. If Illawarra goes on a run and Harvey keeps doing what he's doing, you know, yep. he's in that conversation. Ty Webster's just gone down with, you know, yep. his foot injury, but, you know, I think he was doing some some nice things too. Um, you, mentioned Vic, a you mentioned Vic and, and Yeah, I, I sketched out a second team as well and, and Tyler Harvey was on that for sure. And I had Ware and, and DJ and, and Humphreys on that. So there's so many good guys that are, that are probably going to miss out um, who have had in really, really good seasons. I'm going to throw this at you, and I think we'll end on this. For you know a second-team shout or any of that sort of honour, at what point is Giddy part of that conversation? If 
in what looks like might happen, he might lead the NBL in assists. Um, and average, let's say he finishes averaging, you know, 12, 7, and 8 on the season. At what point is he legitimately part of the conversation? For second team? Potentially. I mean, if you're if you're considering, you know, a, like those sorts of guys, and I don't know, like if it's the whole... I don't yeah. know. No, 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 no one is no one is averaging what he's averaging currently. If he's if his trajectory continues the way it is, I mean, at what point is he part of the conversation in in a non tokenistic way? Yeah, I, I think it's a really fair point. Uh, as you said, if he, you know, he's leading the league in assists and no one's putting up that that sort of versatility in terms of numbers that he's doing, and I think if Adelaide keep winning games, I, mm. I think yeah, second team nod wouldn't be out of the question. It wouldn't be controversial, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I actually end on this, and we will actually That's end on this. One. Yeah. Um, who gets the fourth spot? I think it's sort of foregone conclusion that Perth, Melbourne in some order at one and two, and then or maybe Southeast Melbourne catches up to them, but they're sort of the third team in that group. Who do you think at this point, and we're going to revisit this, who gets that fourth spot if, you, if you're betting today? Oh, well, if I was betting today right now? Yeah. yeah I'm going to go with Adelaide. You think so? A healthy Adelaide yeah. is is healthy Adelaide is a dark horse. Is good, yeah. We spoke about yeah. this after their their cup game that yeah. they're healthy and Isaac Humphries comes back and is half of what he was. But even yep. though I think he'll be more than that, then I think they're a dark horse too. Um, Illawarra seems like a safe-ish bet. Um, yeah, but I I don't know like it, them in the half court. I think they've just gone over the line the last two games. I I don't think that it's like you said earlier. Their offense has so many questions. Yeah, and as good as they are defensively, the second best defense in the league, mm. there are just too many question marks. So I I get the Adelaide shout, um, but are they? You know, they're a game behind Sydney, right? I think if Sydney yeah, gets healthy, even with DJ out, I think if if Zay Cooks gets back. And, you know, Sean Bruce yeah. can up his production a little bit and Darrell Martin plays the way he's playing. I think they're not a bad shot either. Yeah, it's going to be tight. It's going to be fun. That's that's what's fun. At least we have sort of a race to something. As a a season. I love that. <laughs> we love races. Um, thanks so much for joining me, Steve. Um, this has been Always real. I, I, I wonder how these awards are actually going to pan out. Um, if you like what you heard, everybody... Uh, go to your favorite podcast app, rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, every Wednesday, Ball in the Real World drops. So we'll catch you next week. There you go.